All right. So our gospel reading is from <clears throat> Luke 3, verses 15 through 18 and 21 and 22. This is the reading from the lectionary for the Sunday, first Sunday after Epiphany. The people were full of anticipation, wondering in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them all by saying, I'm baptizing you in water, but someone is coming who's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to untie. This one will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. A winnowing fan is in his hand to clear the threshing floor, gather the wheat and granary, and a shaft will be burnt in unquenchable fire. When all the people were baptized, Jesus also came to be baptized. And while Jesus was praying, the skies opened and the Holy Spirit descended on the anointed one in visible form like a dove. A voice from heaven said, you are my own, my beloved. On you, my favor rests. We hear the voice of God in these words. Thanks be to God. Okay, so I'm just giggling a little bit here because um, today is the first Sunday after the Epiphany. Uh, the Epiphany is a day that commemorates the visit of the Magi to the Christ child each year on January 6th. Uh, and if you don't know Epiphany, it's a subset of the Christmas season. And the last time I preached about a month ago, we were in the Advent season. But funny enough, the gospel reading for that Sunday that I preached last and this Sunday were practically the same. <laughs> Today's reading begins midway through that text we already used from Luke chapter three. And I don't know if you remember this, you'd be paying really close attention to remember each and every text we uh, use for sermons every week. But here's the crossover from that week and, and today. It's verses 16 and 17 where John talks about this coming Messiah, a winnowing fan in his hand, gathering up the wheat and throwing the rest into this unquenchable fire. That was our text a few weeks ago. It's the first part of our text today. And today it's also followed by the baptism of Jesus in which God says, on you, my favor rests. Or a familiar, um, possibly a more familiar translation might be, with you, I am well pleased. God is pleased with Jesus. I think we can all agree on that part, right? And the church universal has spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years picking apart the life of Jesus, the teachings and ministry of Jesus, his interactions, his death, resurrection. And we've done this too, a lot of us on personal levels. Some of us have spent our whole lives considering the things Jesus said and did and believed. And so we take all this and it might not be our first instinct to summarize Jesus in the way John did in today's reading. Yet twice now in the span of a few weeks, we've been given the same text in the lectionary. Twice we've been given this image of Christ, winnowing fan in his hand, clearing out every bad thing and burning it all down. <laughs> And um, in my last sermon, I had said that the only thing I saw Jesus throwing into unquenchable fires was our understanding of power and our unmovable prescriptions about God. And I read this text again for a new sermon in a new series, in a new season on the other side of a new year. And I still believe this. I still believe that what 
John is prophesying that Jesus will do. And what Jesus actually ends up doing is consistent when we consider the powers that be, domination systems and systems of hierarchy in our world. Jesus was in the business and still is of flipping these kinds of paradigms on their heads, of getting us out of their luring and or oppressive grips. Remember, his law is love. His gospel is peace. So he's flipping things on its head. And Jesus took and takes our notions of power and he burned it all down. He burns them all down through his teachings, particularly the Beatitudes, through his actions, the people he associated with and collaborated with and took into his inner circle through his identity as the antithesis of the kind of warrior king the people had come to expect and hope for. Through his weakness, through his death, in solidarity with the most vulnerable, the poor, the sick, the suffering, with spirit and fire in tow, he is critiquing religion and politics and every system of power in an embodied way by taking only what is fruitful into the heaven on earth paradigm and dropping the dead weight, throwing it in the fire, burning it down. <laughs> and God, seeing all of this, looks upon Jesus, his intention, his baptism as he steps uh, into the work, and God blesses it. God says, with this, I am well pleased. God says, on you, my favor rests. I think about this in terms of the season of Epiphany and particularly our tradition here at Peace going on three years now, go check the podcast, of holding space during the season of Epiphany in our sermons for reflection and vulnerability and wisdom sharing, which is something we hopefully do every week in our sermons, but it's decidedly more personal in this series. We are all people just trying to exist in this world, same as the rest of any of us. And we are learning some things along the way. We're having some spirit nudges and sometimes revelations. And this series is our attempt to offer up some of that. So I want to shift from the exegetical posture of picking apart scripture into my personal epiphany, which is simply rest really is resistance. And as I make this shift, I want to also make the clear connection that just as God blessed the baptism of Jesus as he stood on the cusp of his work, God also blesses us, children of God, and God blesses the liberative work we are doing. God blesses our resistance to the ways of empire, hierarchy, the powers of be, the powers that be just like God blessed Jesus in this way. God's favor rests upon us in this work. And so as we move from one exhausting year into an unknown year, we are also on the cusp of what is in front of us, whether it be the same old thing or resetting, shifting, making changes. Either way, I want to suggest that deep, consistent rest be a part of this work. Rest is important, and not only is it important, it really is a form of resistance. 
You may have heard this saying before. It's a little cliche at this point, honestly, but it is empowering because it gives us permission. And when I think deeply about it, it really is true. Rest is resistance. Rest is liberation. Rest is sacred. And rest should be a part, possibly the most important part of our spiritual practice and liberation work. So over the holidays, like many, many, many people right now, and even more I'm learning, I got COVID and it was right before Christmas. And so everything, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, my daughter's birthday, which is on New Year's Day, all the hopes and plans we had for any of that were just nixed. And me and Lyle and our daughter, Cozy, we quarantined at home. We didn't see anyone. We didn't go anywhere for nearly 12 days. And yeah, I didn't feel well. Lyle didn't feel great. And we still had to parent as usual. But even so, I now realize that this was an opportunity I've never really had before to have an excuse (laughs) not to engage with anybody or do anything and to hunker down because my body physically required it of me and because I couldn't actually go anywhere. And so I had no choice. I had to hunker down. So, unlike any vacation I've ever taken or any time off I've ever had, For a dozen days, I had this very specific and particular kind of empty space. And maybe you've experienced this, you know, when you've gone through this, if you have. But what it ended up revealing to me was the level of my own exhaustion, the extent of how tired I was. I'm talking years worth of exhaustion, certainly months worth. It was physical, it was emotional, and it was spiritual exhaustion. And I needed rest. And for the first time, I felt a level of permission to actually take the rest I needed. And I also came face to face with the realization that so much of my resting is tied to shame and guilt and people pleasing. And so to take the rest simultaneously felt like overcoming. It felt like resistance. It seems obvious now, but I experienced this epiphany on an embodied level. Rest really is resistance. And this mantra has sunk into my consciousness. If you can imagine this in layers and as I peel them away, it just gets deeper and deeper. But first of all, first layer, rest is a privilege. Like that our livelihood wasn't negatively affected by our need to isolate and quarantine. Our rest was a privilege. And I think about the various levels and layers of inequities that people experience specifically throughout this pandemic, their need to go back to work, whether they feel better or rested or not, and how now even that's been shortened. It's such a privilege to actually rest. And I don't say this as like, hashtag blessed, I I say it with urgency, like understanding that I have to be a part of engaging these inequities, facing how they are impacting those around us right now, and participating in whatever collective work I can to expand the privilege of rest, which really shouldn't be a privilege. It shouldn't be something earned. It should inherently be our right. But earning makes more sense to us, right? That's another thing, another layer I unpeeled when I took this deep dive into rest as resistance. We want to earn our rest, just like we want to earn our goodness and worthiness. I can remember, some of you know this, I feel like I was talking about it just recently, being a kid and my dad worked on Saturdays 
And I have this memory of him calling me on the phone every Saturday morning just to make sure I wasn't sleeping the whole day away, which I mean, honestly, as a teenager, you probably need someone to tell you to get out of bed. But he would call and like any good parent, he would give us chores to do. But I really wanted to sleep late. So I got really good at sounding awake when I answered the phone. Like I'd be like, hello, (laughs) even though I was dead asleep right before he called because I did not want him to know that I was sleeping and not doing whatever chores had been assigned to me for that for that morning. But it's funny because still to this day, like I can't rest well if I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else for someone else. I can't step away from my work, my household tasks, my parenting responsibilities easily. And hey, if you can, this sermon is not for you. <laughs> like you just enjoy. I'm trying to get to where you are. But we are people who have trouble doing this. We are people who have trouble accepting our Mago Day, um, that we are automatically good and automatically worthy, and that we don't have to do anything to be good or worthy. But we have trouble accepting this. We want to earn it somehow instead. And we want others to prove it to us, to earn it too. And one of the ways we try to earn our goodness is through our ability to be able to produce for people and systems. I have a colleague friend. um, His name is Christian Smith. You can look him up on Facebook, Twitter, any of that, Instagram. He's the pastor of the faith community based in Atlanta. They're doing incredible things. Um, But I love his social media posts because they're just real talk. And I saw one just last week and I knew I was going to kind of be writing about this, but I hadn't started yet. But I saw he made a post about rest and he said, rest isn't a reward for achievement. It's a part of your life cycle. Stop dangling it like a carrot to ensure you hit your goals. So good, right? So we try to overcome this messaging inside of us, but even if we can overcome our own messaging, and and many of us have, many of us have figured out that we believe this, that we believe this to be true, but we still get bogged down by the messaging around us. So much of our inability to prioritize our own rest is that our need for production and achievement is wrapped up in shame and people pleasing. This includes caring about how our image is perceived by others, by the way. And this shame is another layer we must address. In the recent past, I've loved saying that I'm a retired people pleaser, but the reality is I am an aspiring retired people pleaser. And when I had COVID, I was confronted with this in a deep way. I was feeling so out of control about my inability to care for others or check in on the people in my life in a tangible way. Um, But I was also worried like what they were thinking about me for not being able to care for them or check in on them. So even though I didn't feel well and literally needed to stay home for the good of society, I still felt guilty about all of that. And I told you that we suddenly had permission to rest for 12 days. But for me, the majority of that time was spent struggling with the shame of how I had or was falling short for others because of my limitations. And it just reminded me that many of us have a lot of shame when we rest and working through it takes time in the actual moments of rest. Do you ever wonder like, 
if you actually get the opportunity for a break or a vacation, it takes long, right? It takes days sometimes to really settle into it. Our minds are, are so wired to be producing that even if we aren't doing anything, even if we're not technically at work or not with our kids, we're often sitting there with some level of shame preventing us from going into a really deep place of rest. But here's another thing I'm learning, yet another layer connected to this. And now, y'all, now we are getting to the heart of it. So if you didn't hear any of that, hear this. Spirit flow exists deeply within a place of rest. Like we literally have to penetrate an authentic posture of rest to find the deepest, fullest force of spirit in our lives. Spirit flow doesn't exist in productivity culture. It doesn't exist in empire and places of dishealth or in shame. It exists in this deep place of inner rest. It is in this place where we touch up against divine encounter, divine intimacy, divine inspiration, divine hope. I'm thinking Psalm 23 here. Still waters, green pastures, cups overflowing, This is spirit flow to me. And I don't think we can really surrender to it without surrendering to rest. I don't think we can know spirit flow abundantly without knowing rest abundantly too. Hand in hand they go, healing us, making us whole. Rest is physical medicine to our bodies. We know that. We have to make our kids get the sleep they need because we know their bodies physically need it. But rest is also emotional medicine because it provides the space we need to deal with our traumas, our grief, our worries and troubles, recoup, reset. Rest is emotional medicine and it is spiritual medicine because it's a capacity creator for that stuff of spirit, that stuff of abundance, which is our practices and our movements in the world embodied. Rest energizes us enabling us to continue on facing our lives. And this energy fuels our creativity. So we're not just existing, we're thriving. Our creativity heals us by offering us beauty and joy and hope and access to so much more. The medicine of rest heals us. And maybe vitamins is a better word. Maybe vitamins, the better metaphor that we ought to be uh, using because we need to be taking it every day in sickness and in health. (laughs) Rest is really, really, really important on an individual, internal, micro level, but also on our collective macro oneness level. Rest really is resistance. And we need to know that we don't need anyone else's permission but our own to take it to take our rest. So in 2022, I'm taking my rest. (laughs) I'm not waiting for it. I'm taking it. And when I take my rest, I'm taking back my power. And when you take your rest, you're taking back your power. And when I take my rest, I'm reclaiming my Imago Day. And when you take your rest, you're reclaiming your Imago Day. And when I take my rest, I'm acknowledging my utter goodness. And when you take your rest, you are acknowledging your utter goodness. We take our rest because we already know the way of exhaustion, right? We already know the way of hopelessness. We've already been overwhelmed by the compassion fatigue. Our eyes are open. We've been exposed to what's required 
required of us on the other side of deconstruction and we've jumped into the work anyway. We've committed to the bigger, wider tables and the bigger, wider imaginations. We've signed ourselves up for the lifelong work of liberation. And I'm saying none of this is sustainable without rest as a high priority. We keep using these old paradigms of rest, of earning, overwork, constant production, draining ourselves dry to do the work of new paradigms that usher heaven on earth. And so the way we engage rest and think about rest, this is the unlearning and reimagining we need to do this year. We need to unlearn the lie that we can do all this liberation work and be resurrection people while running on E. My experience with COVID revealed to me an exhaustion that went deeper than the physical illness of it. It revealed to me a propensity for people-pleasing. I thought I had retired. It revealed to me my continued unwillingness to imagine anew in my work ethic and my boundaries, to say no when needed, or it revealed this need to challenge my own inability to stop and rest, to risk what others might think of me. I mean, what greater resistance is there than this work of trading in these old ways of being and learning to embrace the truth of Imago Day? Is this struggle, is it possible that this struggle is universal? And if so, can this indoctrination be undone among us? In the nuance and paradox places, can we also find healthy balances of work and rest and play and discipline? Two years ago this month, we created Feed Your Soul Sunday. We did this before the pandemic was even a possibility in our minds because even then we could see that the way we were going was not sustainable for a healthy community. Nearly every first Sunday, our church stops and rests. No Sunday gathering, no programming. Instead, we encourage people to lean into your particular rhythm of rest and peace and joy, to reclaim your time, to find your own form of healing. We created the space so that our community could collectively embody a new way of being. And I often hashtag those social media posts, if you notice, with hashtag rest is resistance. Have you noticed it? Did you wonder what I meant by it? Well, this is it. So, children of God, we rest. I think about Epiphany and how those magi, after encountering the Christ, didn't go back the way they came. They went back, but they went another way this time. And I think that's what we're doing here. When we decide to truly prioritize rest in our various seasons and in our daily rhythms, we are choosing to go back into our lives this time We are going another way, a way that will care for our livelihoods. So I want to end this by simply asking you to thoughtfully consider what rest looks like for you. You'll notice I didn't define rest. I didn't give a prescription for rest. I recognize we are all different, different people, different seasons, different contexts. Some of us have kids, some of us don't. Some of us are retired or for whatever reason, life might just move a bit slower. Some of us maybe could use more rest, but don't necessarily resonate with this with the, or struggle with the shame aspect of it. But I still think all of us could benefit from really looking at our lives and asking, what does it look like to embody rest as resistance? This conversation is such a privilege to even have. I started with that acknowledgement and I want to end with it. 
But I still think each one of us has the ability to move closer to rest some way, somehow. And the more of a privilege it is for us to do that, the more it's practicing resistance when you actually find a way to do it anyway. If it's not easy, it's because it was never going to be. It's because rest really is a part of our liberation work. It's a part of our collective building. It's the constant reassessment of our way of being and thinking and doing. It really is resistance. It's not easy. Even so, may we learn to see and value it as resistance. And may deep rest be ours this year. May we claim it. Even though we don't know what's to come, may we know this. May we know rest. Amen.